Welcome to the Nightmare Emporium. Here we take a deep dive into some grisly tales that are bound to make you lose your head. Now, let's check in with our host, the macabre Marvel herself, to see what she has in store for us this week. <laughs> To Reddit user Born Beach for today's story. I hope you're excited. This is the story of Snippity Snap. It's just a stupid nursery rhyme from my hometown, something to keep kids inside after dark. He bookends his words with a smirk. Militant parental stuff, you know? I adjust my tie and clear my throat. It's my first interview, and I don't want to come across as an amateur. I'm well aware of its origins. We're here to discuss the event. The kid stares at me for a few seconds, a smile playing on the corner of his lips. Eventually, he huffs and shakes his head. You serious, man? I was seeing stuff. There isn't a mystery to be solved here. I was just stoned. Marijuana doesn't typically elicit hallucinations. His face falters. The cool demeanor, the dismissive aloofness. It fades, and for a moment I see a twinge of terror. And that's when I know I have him. I know that he doesn't believe his own excuse. Yeah, well, I was drunk too, he argues. I wasn't exactly in my right mind. I lean back in the chair and fold my arms appraising him like my orientation taught me to do. If you want to make people talk, I recall my professor lecturing, then be silent. So I am. It's as quiet as death. It's just the two of us here. Myself and Ryan Halflow, a 17-year-old kid from Elk Torch High. He's typical as far as teenagers go. Disinterested, distracted, we're sitting in his parents' garage in a couple of folding-up camp chairs with cheap cups of coffee steadied in our laps. I'm here because I believe he witnessed an event, one of overwhelming significance, and one which I believe would explain a series of grisly murders, murders that have gone unsolved and plagued the sleepy town for close to ten years. What is it you do again? Ryan asks changing the subject. Good. I have him. I work in a compound known as the facility. My job is to investigate events that my superiors deem noteworthy. I do my best to keep my voice level. Professional. But the job is so new I can hardly contain my excitement. Your event has been selected. Facility, he says. No offense, but that sounds ridiculous to me. How do I know you're not some jerk playing me for a fool? I reach into my jacket and retrieve my badge. I can show you my identification again. He waves his hand. I've already seen it. How come I've never heard about this facility on the news? I pocket my badge. It's a recent enterprise. We believe that entering the public eye could lead to increased tensions and potential panic. It sounds like the X-Files. He narrows his eyes at me. What makes my event noteworthy? 
You made a post on your social media three days ago. It showcased a figure that I believe I recognize. He leans back, picks up his styrofoam coffee cup, and takes a sip. I notice one of his fingers is wrapped in gauze. Yeah, the shadow sort of looked like a demon or something. There's a pause. The silence stretches between us. You in league with demons? He laughs, tries to play it cool, but the question is sincere. No, I say. Demons aren't within my purview. I study urban legends. A smile plays at his lips, as if he's waiting for me to laugh at a joke I made. But I don't. It wasn't a joke. I reach for my clipboard and click my pen. All right, Ryan. I'd like you to start from the beginning. The night you took the photo that's on your Instagram, what events led to that moment? He sighs and runs a hand through his tangle of hair. It's a bit of a long story. Don't worry, I assure him. I have plenty of time. He doesn't speak. Instead, his eyes dart around the garage. They move from the window to the back, to the door along the wall leading into the house, and then to the windows on the garage door proper. He's looking for faces. Cameras, maybe. He thinks this might be an elaborate prank. Perhaps one his older brother orchestrated to make him look foolish. It's a response that my orientation warned me about and prepared me for. I've seen unexplainable things too, Ryan. He glances up, and the playful aloofness is gone from his eyes. It's been replaced with desperation. He's hoping against hope this isn't a joke, because he needs to talk about what he saw because he knows he's experienced something unexplainable. He's probably terrified that he's going insane. You, you have, he said quietly. Several times, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I place my pen down on the clipboard, taking a breath and letting the veneer of professionalism fall away. According to my orientation, people are more likely to open up if you do first. The truth is, Ryan, there's plenty in this world we don't have answers for, but only a handful of us are ever visited by such phenomena. Some call it paranormal. I call it misunderstood. I give him a smile, and it's genuine. Please, tell me about the photo. Tell me about the events that lead up to it. He studies me for several moments, as if determining whether or not I'm lying to get him to talk to make a fool of himself. How does this work? He asks at length. He lowers his coffee cup back to his lap. Do I just, like, start talking or whatever? Or should I go slow so you can write? Go as fast as you like. I click the pen in my hand and beam him a smile. I'm a quick writer. All right, he mutters. It begins. It was three days ago, Ryan said. Shannon Gilmer was having a house party, a kegger or whatever. Her dad took off on a business trip and he's loaded, so there's plenty of room in the house. I mean, the thing's like at least three stories tall. How many people were there? I asked. He rubbed his shoulder and I spotted the gauzed finger again 
It's a good sign. I don't know. Maybe 50, he says? 60? I wasn't really counting. I make a note on my clipboard that reads witnesses. Go on. So we're all drinking, messing around, and just kicking it. Some people are playing beer pong upstairs, and I'm down in the living room, hanging out with this chick from my English class, Becca. We're getting kind of, you know, hot and heavy or whatever. And she starts messing with me. Messing with you? Like, talking all this nonsense about spirits and ghosts. He gives a small laugh and shakes his head. She says she's attuned to them or something. It's ridiculous. I check the box marked skeptic on my clipboard. So anyway, I start teasing her for being a little bit loony. Just playfully, you know, nothing harsh. He swallows, and I catch sight of his hands, still holding the cup in his lap. They're trembling, and his gauzed index finger is out of place. It's folded in, out of sight against the cup. She bets me that she could show me a ghost. A ghost, I say, tapping my pen against the clipboard. Snippety-snap, according to the legend, is no ghost. You're positive that's the terminology she used? He scratches his head, his eyes glassy, like he's remembering a distant memory. Eventually, he nods. Yeah, she definitely called it a ghost. I check another box on my clipboard, disappointed, divergent. What happened next? She says there's this old legend about something called Snippity Snap, which I mean, duh, the entire town knows that stupid nursery rhyme. He takes a breath. It's deep, and when he repeats it again, his voice cracks. She tells me that it's real. I circle the box labeled Influenced. It's not uncommon for people who believe they've encountered an urban legend to have actually just been heavily influenced by external sources. If somebody tells you something is real with enough vindications, humans have a tendency to believe it, if only a little. Had she encountered Snippity Snap before? He shakes his head. I don't know, maybe. She was freaking weird. I decide to withhold judgment. In this job, weird is relative. What did she do next? I asked. He shifted in the chair. Some kind of ritual? She took us both into the basement. At first I was into it because I thought she was taking us somewhere private to... You know. But once we started going down the steps, I got a real uneasy feeling. Uneasy feeling? Like, she wasn't right in the head. She closed the door behind us and we walked down the creaky steps in the dark. I tried turning on the lights, but she snapped at me. Don't! I smiled in spite of myself. Darkness is a key component of the snippety-snap summoning ritual. So far, so good. You didn't use your phone for a light? I inquired. No. I mean, I tried to, but she wouldn't even let me do that. Hmm. The girl appears familiar with the ritual. The greater the darkness, the higher the likelihood of a successful summoning. At this point, how far away were you from the rest of the party? Ballpark. He scratches his cheek. A floor, at least. 
Most people are up on the top level, in Shannon's game room. It's got a big, nice window with a sick view of the city. The music was pretty loud, and we couldn't even hear it, so... That's a fine description. I circle the word isolated on my clipboard. Continue. So we start walking down these steps, and Becca's gripping my wrist real hard. Like, painfully. I try and shrug her off, but she gets aggressive. Starts calling me a wimp. What, you scared all of a sudden? She says. I tell her I'm not, but I came here to party, not screw around in a basement. Then she got all sweet again. She says we can screw around all we want once she proves to me this thing is real. And I'm drunk enough that I agreed. I mean, there's an implication there, right? He laughs, but it's fake. His cheeks are flat. His eyes are hollow. The memory brings a haunting sort of aching emptiness in him. You said you had to participate in some kind of ritual. Can you describe that for me, please? Truthfully, I know the ritual full well. I've even done it myself on several occasions, although all of them proved unsuccessful. It requires an incantation, a pair of scissors, and a human finger. The ritual? He says. His face pales, and he pulls his right arm back into his sleeve. Sure, she, uh... She takes us to a sink in the basement, and then she pulls a pair of scissors from her purse. He pauses, shaking his head with a look of disbelief. I mean, who carries that in their purse? That should have been a red flag right there. It's certainly unusual, I say. If she was carrying the scissors around with her, then it implies a premeditated intent to carry out the ritual. She went to the party looking for a victim. What did she do with the scissors? Ryan takes a deep breath. His hands grip the inside of the sweater sleeves. She cut my finger. Snip. He said the word quietly, distantly. As she did it, she said a sort of chant. What chant? The first line of that old nursery rhyme. Snippity snap, you'll come back. May I see your finger? I ask. He stares at me, and for a moment I think he might refuse. But then he slides his hand out of the sleeve, and there it is. His index finger. It's covered in gauze, and he slowly unravels it. When he does, I see stitching across ten, maybe fifteen different cuts. The entire thing's been slashed by the scissors. His eyes only look at it for a moment before quickly wrapping it up again. She was nuts. I record the details on my clipboard. Multiple lacerations, significant loss of blood, mental unease. If you thought she was nuts, why did you let her do that to your finger? He opens his mouth as if to speak, but exhales instead. He shakes his head. Words hang on the edge of his mouth. I can see them there trying to break free. But for one reason or another, he doesn't say them. When she cut you, I press, did something happen? What do you mean? He says, but his voice betrays him. It's sharp, high-pitched. There's nervousness in his tone. I mean, you're fairly large for your age and appear to be in decent shape. 
if you wanted to break free of this girl and her ritual, it shouldn't have been much of an issue. I gesture to him with my hand, and yet you sit before me with so many cuts on your finger that it's hard to tell where one stitching ends and another begins. Such phenomena led me to believe that something happened. Something kept you there and in pain. His eyes take on an accusatory glare. No offense, but are you just messing with me? I raise an eyebrow. I mean, all this crap about the facility and investigating urban legends and recognizing the shadow in my picture, is that all legit? I reach into my jacket pocket and pull out my badge again. I toss it to him and it lands on his lap. He reaches for it with a shaking hand. My details are all in that badge. My photo, my job title, and my employee number. It's legit. He swallows, looks from the badge to my face and back to the badge. He's comparing and contrasting. He's making sure I am who I say I am. It's a good sign. It means he's ready to talk, but he needs assurance beforehand. He needs to know he isn't being played for a fool. What's your employee number, he asks. A9342R32. It's the first thing we're quizzed upon of being hired. It's critical we remember it. He hands the badge back, takes a long sip of his coffee, and closes his eyes. He appears stressed, exhausted. It's only now that I notice the heavy bags beneath his eyes, and I idly wonder if he's gotten any sleep these last few nights. Just to warn you, he says, this next part is going to sound insane. If it didn't, I wouldn't be here. He gives a small, uncomfortable laugh. His bravado is beginning to fall away, and I'm starting to see the real Ryan Halflow beneath. A teenage boy, scared and scarred. She did it three times, he says. She cut me with the scissors, then said that line, snippety-snap, you'll come back. When nothing happened, I pulled my hand away and told her I was finished. She told me I couldn't be. Not yet. She said it would only take two more cuts, and then snippety-snap would appear. She promised, and then she pulled me down into a kiss, and I sort of forgot about the pain and just how messed up it all was. I write his account down as he speaks. It's important that I get every detail. The kiss isn't part of the ritual, but it's part of the coercion. Whoever this Becca girl is, she's familiar enough with the legend to know exactly what it requires to be summoned. Perhaps she'd been visited by it too. She cuts me again, Ryan says, and his expression falls and his lips quiver. Blood isn't dripping off of me anymore. It's flowing, like a faucet set to low. It's just the two of us in the basement. I know for a fact because there weren't any lights on when we got there, and there's no bedroom. It's just an open cellar. Nobody would just hang out there in the dark. He shook his head, and again his hand disappears into his sleeve, gripping at the inside anxiously. But I get the sense that we're not alone, like someone's watching us. He's choking the words out now, his body trembling against the torrent of emotions he's likely feeling. Snippity-snap, you'll come back, she says again with the scissors, except now her voice is different. Different how? 
It's lost its flirty teasing. There's no playfulness. It's raw and serious. And when she cuts me, it's deeper than before. Like, almost to the bone. He takes a shuddering breath and his hands curl inside his sleeve. So I pull away and I'm starting to think with a clear head again. And I realize nothing's worth this kind of torture. I tell her she's nuts and turn to leave. But she grabs my hand and cuts my finger again. Snippity snap, you'll come back. He takes a moment, his teeth gnaw on his bottom lip. His eyes are detached, lost in the memory. I'm, I'm not proud of it, but I flung my arm back. It hit her in the face, and she fell down. I didn't care, though. I mean, she has to be crazy, right? Cutting me after I told her I was finished? What was that? An understandable reaction. I place my pencil down and center my clipboard in my lap. Before you continue, Ryan, I want to impress on you the importance of absolute honesty. I need to know the process of events exactly how they played out. It could save lives. Um, sure. He nods. Of course. What happened after you knocked her down? She screamed. Screamed? Yeah, she screamed that I was a coward. She screamed that I was just a scared little girl and that she hoped Snippity Snap would come cut my head off. I write it all down. The aggressiveness in which Becca wished to instigate the ritual was alarming to say the least, but not unheard of. Such entities can have profound effect on those who follow them. That still doesn't explain the rest of the cuts, Ryan. Ryan swallows, pushing the words out. She grabbed my wrist again, but this time I was ready. I turned around and I was going to clock her. I wasn't putting up with it anymore. And then his voice dies on his lips. And then what? I prompt. And then I saw her. He shakes his head. I saw it. My pen pauses on the clipboard, my eagerness getting the best of me. You saw Snippity Snap? Ryan wasn't a small individual, but in that moment, he looks like a terrified little boy. He takes a sip of coffee and puts it back down with a shiver. He brings a hand around to the back of his neck, rubbing it. It was the scariest thing I've ever seen. I knew if I got out of this and told somebody, they'd call me insane. So I did the stupid thing everybody hates about my generation. He cut himself off. It was big twisted looking like the thing had crawled straight out of hell it had these giant scissors for arms starting at its elbows and its face was wrinkled flesh with no eyes just dark sunken sockets he swallows its mouth was sewn shut with its own skin and between the threads of flesh were eyes i mutter a smile forming on my lips yeah a thousand of them milky white and just swimming around it was the sound of the scissors though those two gigantic blades opening and closing he takes a sip of coffee then puts it back down with a shiver it was the scariest thing I've ever seen so I did the stupid thing everybody hates about my generation you took the photo it was impulsive and stupid but I needed to know that I wasn't imagining it, that it was real. So I snapped the picture and made a run for it, 
but Becca grabbed me by the ankle. I hit the ground hard. His hand stops rubbing his neck, and his eyes glisten with newborn tears. The next thing I know, the scissor sounds stop. No snipping, no snapping, just silence. And then Becca starts laughing. <laughs> laughing? I frown, hoping I didn't come all this way for a practical joke. Yeah, she was laughing, howling. I didn't get it, but when I kicked my leg free, I felt it. The scissor blades were against my neck. That creature was standing over me, getting ready to cut my head clean off. This was it. I leaned forward. To have a real case so quickly was almost unheard of within the facility. It takes most of our new hires months to come across something real. Some agents have worked there nearly a year without success. Yet here I am, having achieved it within my first week. Did you give it an offering? I ask, excitement lacing my words. He gives me an uncomfortable look. The two of us gaze at each other, and I realize I'm losing my cool. I'm letting pieces of me leak through that shouldn't be. I straighten up, flatten my expression, and adopt a more serious tone. By offering, I mean, did you allow yourself to be cut again? He nodded slowly. Yeah. Becca grabbed my finger and started cutting with the scissors. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything, so I just stayed there, on my hands and knees with this monster standing over me, and Becca mutilating my finger. He chokes back a sob. I remember being lightheaded from the blood loss, and right when my finger started feeling numb to the pain. Becca, I don't know if she did it because she'd had enough, or because I was crying, or, or, or because I peed myself. I see. I didn't notate that last part of my clipboard. Then it was over. I guess, he exhales, as though letting go of some great weight he's been holding. Once she stopped cutting, I realized the creature was gone, and before she could do anything else, I booked it up the steps and got my dad to come drive me home. You didn't report it to the authorities? Report what? That some girl half my size held me down with a monster in the basement and cut up my finger? He shakes his head, wiping tears from his eyes. No, I didn't report that to the authorities. I just wanted to forget about it, pretend it never happened. Why did you post the photo then? He shrugs, his eyes looking out the window. I don't know. I guess I just hoped maybe somebody would tell me I wasn't insane. That maybe they'd seen it too. I smile, reaching across and placing a hand on Ryan's arm. I give it a squeeze. You're not insane. You did the right thing taking that photograph. And you did the right thing talking to me about your event. Thank you. Yeah, he says, sniffling. No problem. Is that, um... Everything then? Are we done? Just a moment. I'd like to take another look at that photo if you don't mind. The uncompressed version on your phone? He nods. Yeah, sh sure, one second. He pulls out his phone and navigates to the photograph, then passes the device to me. I study the image. It's similar to what I viewed on his social media, but given the low lighting and shakiness of the photograph, the compression algorithm wreaked havoc on it. 
This original version is much cleaner. For instance, whereas his Instagram only shows a shadow with faint outline, this one provides additional details. The shadow is still there, but it's clearer. On the creature's scissor arms, I see a faint sheen of light against metal, and upon its sewn mouth, I see small white dots that I know to be eyes. It's humanoid mostly, but distinct in important ways. Its form is taller, for one. It's bow-legged and slouched, with a sort of zigzag to its posture, like a person suffering from severe scoliosis. Then, in the bottom corner of the photograph, I can see a human face. A girl. It's Becca, no doubt, on the ground after Ryan had knocked her down, looking wild-eyed with a gleeful smile across her face. Thank you, I say, passing the phone back to him. I make a final notation on my clipboard. Survivor. If it's alright with you, Ryan, I'd like to know Becca's last name. Her last name? Yes. I click my pen and place it back into my chest pocket. I think she and I need to have a discussion. Well, well, wasn't that just a scream? Until next time, our fiendish friends. Remember to stay scared, and sometimes it's more than just a story. Ha 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 ha!